Supercharged with Ali Geary on RTE Radio 1. Hello and welcome along to Supercharged with me, Anna Geary. I'm back with you this evening and we're live until 7 o'clock. Now this week, we're tackling a subject that affects us all in different ways. Grief. And in turn, loss. On the show, we're not only going to be discussing bereavement, but we'll also cover the different types of loss we can experience in life. Whether that's the loss of a relationship, or the loss of dreams and, and maybe the life that you had hoped for and planned for. Or maybe it's even a loss of identity, whether that's due to retirement, illness, or even an empty nest at home. Because loss comes in so many different forms and it is all relative. And people tend to grieve in their own way and at their own pace. So this evening on Supercharged, let's open up this conversation. We'll hear from experts about how grief can affect us and how should we be speaking to each other about it? Because we need to be speaking to each other about it. We're also going to delve into the coping mechanisms to help us deal with loss. So many of you have already reached out ahead of the show this evening. Have a listen. I grieve the future we'll never have together. Grief for the loss of the years of not knowing I had ADHD. I've had to deal with loss during COVID after the breakdown of my long-term relationship. It's the most soul-destroying, uh, awful thing in the world to happen to someone. What makes me really sad, and I've never shared this with anyone, is that I'll never be called mum or mummy. I really feel a, a sense of privilege that people feel they can share their stories with us here in Supercharged. And it's to help those of you out there who might be feeling the same. So we're going to hear more of those stories soon. And you might have heard of the series that Ricky Gervais wrote for Netflix. It's called Afterlife. It's based around the idea of coping with loss, or in his character's case, not coping. Here's a clip of Ricky discussing the reaction he got to it. After the first series went out, so many people came up to me and they said, oh, um, I lost my brother or I lost my wife or I lost my mother like two weeks before I watched it. And you suddenly realise that everyone's grieving. Everyone is grieving, especially during a pandemic. Like, I've been thinking about this a lot recently and I kept coming back to the question. Why? Why? Like, is it so difficult for us to bring ourselves to speak about grief and loss when it's something we're all going to experience at some stage during our lives? And how then, like, how can we ever prepare for it if we don't openly talk about it? Or maybe we can never really prepare for it. On this evening's show, I'm going to talk to psychologist and author Nee Fitzpatrick about just that. She's going to share her expert advice with us and give us her insights on grief. And Neve is going to stay with us throughout the show, so please get in contact with any questions you might have. Text us on 51551 or email us at supercharged at rte.ie. We'll also hear from Cathy Stritch about her personal story and the positive impact of her support group that she set up, not only on herself, but on the thousands of people that visit the page every day. And I'll speak with Colleen Brown, the project coordinator for Bernardo's Bereavement Services for Children in Dublin. And we'll discuss how to manage the difficult conversation around grief with children of all ages. I reached out on Instagram during the week to hear about your experiences of loss and grief. Because it can often be comforting to hear from others. It can help us feel less isolated or even alone. Have a listen to some of these stories. Hi, my name is Aoife and I received a diagnosis of ADHD at 43. Um, getting an adult diagnosis has come with a lot of grief. Grief for the loss of the years of not knowing I had ADHD. Grief for the loss of relationships or friendship. There has been a lot to process and I continue to process it all. I feel like I'm just getting to know myself all over again. 
Hi Anna, it's Laura here in Galway. I've had to deal with loss during COVID after the breakdown of my long-term relationship. In terms of, I suppose, what I was grieving was the loss of this person being in my life and also the loss of the future I thought we were going to have together. Hi Anna, uh, grief and loss, uh, I suppose I suffered lately, is a close friend of mine ghosted me and it's the most soul-destroying uh, awful thing in the world happened to someone. Hi Anna, my name is Ashling and I'm from Dublin. In 2018, I was diagnosed with menopause. I was in my mid-30s. Needless to say, there were so many emotions and feelings to get my head around. Grieving for a role that was taken from me before I had the chance or opportunity to explore it, that I wasn't able to have children. Starting a relationship with a guy and if he wanted to start a family, I couldn't provide that family and that would be a relationship deal breaker. What makes me really sad, and I've never shared this with anyone, is that I'll never be called mum or mummy. That one word has so much importance and it means so much. Hi, my name is Shauna and I lost my fiance Vinny to SADS in May 2020. I grieve the future we'll never have together and the kids we'll never have and the wedding we never got to have. Um, I grieve the future that he'll never get to have. Loss is just so personal and I'm listening to these heartbreaking stories and it's just to remind everybody that it's really, it's unique to every person and you should never try to compare your loss with others. So that brings me to our first guest this evening. Joining me now is psychologist and author Nee Fitzpatrick, who supported many of her clients along their journey as they grieve a loss in their life. Some of you may be familiar with her book, Tell Me the Truth About Loss which charted her own personal journey of grief and finding hope following the loss of her beloved sister Dara in 2017. The book also addresses losses other than bereavement, such as the grief Neve experienced around marriage breakdown and infertility. Neve, thank you for joining us on Supercharged this evening. You're welcome. Good evening. Many of us are grieving in some way, particularly in the last two years. And I know you have a wonderful way of being able to articulate grief, both from a personal and professional perspective. So how do you define grief? I think grief is our natural response to loss. So it's really important to normalise it and to understand that it is entirely normal what we feel when we have a loss in our life. So your listeners there and their messages around grief, we can see the different losses. So some were bereavement. One was a bereavement loss, but others were losses of relationship, loss of hope, loss of dreams, a future robbed. So it's really understanding that that it's that it's a normal response to loss. And the other thing I would say to people is that it's a whole person experience when we grieve. It impacts us physically, emotionally, psychologically, cognitively, socially, behaviourally. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to know that it's a huge deal for us. And I guess becoming aware of that, that it can be all encompassing is so important. And so many people have messaged in and we've heard some of the personal stories. How can we navigate through various different losses and griefs that we experience? So, Anna, you and I could talk for a week about this one question on mm -hmm. its own. So I'm going to say that what I'm going to say now is not a you know, A to Z of grief, but it's just to maybe say to people that how we navigate grief is that we learn to live with the loss in our life, the loss of the hope or the loss of the person. And what we essentially do is we grow our life around the grief. So if I was to draw a circle mm -hmm. and say to you, in that circle is your whole life. And then I got a pen and when a hope dies, or a person dies or a relationship dies, if I drew lines all across that circle over and back, over and back, over and back, that would signify how that loss has touched every part of your life. And what we know happens now or we believe happens now is that in time and when we are ready, we grow our life around our grief. So if I got another pen and I drew a wider circle around the first one, that would demonstrate that we grow our life and we learn to live our life alongside the grief that we hold. It's not that grief goes or gets smaller or time heals and it gets better. It's not that we grow our life around it. I think that can be really comforting for people to hear, 
that there isn't a timeline that they're expected to live by. And I know many of us are in a position where we might know of people that are grieving and sometimes we can struggle to know what to say to somebody who's been bereaved because the language around death can be tricky and we all know the importance of language. So with that said, what should we say and what shouldn't we say? Well, on the what should we say, I would have two points on that. The first point would be that around the words we use, you'll hear a lot of people now saying about somebody has passed. So I see that, you know, Neve's sister has passed. I would say on that, be guided by the person who's bereaved in terms of what word they used. I would never personally say that Dara passed. She died. It's important for me to say died. But for some people, that word's not right for them. So be guided by people on the past or died. It, I think that's really important. In terms of what do we say to somebody who's bereaved, don't worry about this too much. The most important thing on this is that you acknowledge the pain. So it's less about the words you say and more about how you say them. You need to be authentic. You want to be real. So you can simply say, I'm so very sorry for your loss or my deepest condolences. Or you might say, your mom was such a lovely woman and I think of her and I think of you and I will always remember her. You don't have to reinvent. You don't have to be really clever with what you say. In terms of what you don't say, I would say two things there. The first one in there is don't say at least. Yes. Don't say at least your grandfather was 98. That doesn't matter. Or at least you know, such and such a person is not in pain or at least you got to say goodbye. There is no at least with grief. It almost so minimises it, doesn't it? The impact. Exactly. That's exactly what it does. So don't minimise somebody else's pain. It's their pain. Allow them have it. Don't say at least. And the only other thing I would say about the don'ts really is don't say to somebody something that, that gives an expectation that they should be somewhere in their grief. So I know I have had people say to me, but shouldn't you be over the death of your sister now. Don't do that to somebody. There's no yeah. bad intent with somebody. They don't mean any bad things in that. But just really don't put your expectations on somebody else who's grieving. It's their loss, their relationship. Let them go at their own pace. Exactly. Going at their own pace is so important. And I guess sometimes we don't necessarily have to say anything. Like we hear so much about how less than 10% of our communication is verbal. So... What are the non-verbal or practical ways that we can help people during times of loss then? Well, there's huge things, I suppose, now that we can hug again. Mm -hmm. To stand in front of somebody, to hold their hands, to hug them can be an immense way of saying, I am here for you. You have, you may have no words. Mm -hmm. You can do practical things like you, the, the thing we do great in Ireland here about filling their food full of, their freezer full of food, mm -hmm. you know, bringing food around. You might offer to collect children from school or walk the dog. You could go to the grave and bring flowers. You you can write a handwritten card or note. You can remember anniversaries, significant dates and just make send a message at that time. There's lots you can do. It's about acknowledging the pain. And I know that I've heard bereaved friends often describe how people have nearly crossed the road just to avoid having the conversation with them. Why is it that we feel so uncomfortable meeting people who are grieving? Or is it that we're terrified to say the wrong thing or we don't want to acknowledge it ourselves? Like, what would, what are the reasons? I think it's a bit of both of that. Um, I think people are very much afraid of saying the wrong thing. And, and people can sometimes think, I don't want to upset them mm -hmm. or I don't want to remind them. You can't upset them. They're already upset. Yeah. And you can't remind them because they've never forgotten. So let that go. And it's OK. You don't need to sort of worry about that. But it's really understanding that the reason we can find this difficult is because we're faced with such pain. We're faced with the pain of a person whose life has been shattered because somebody they love has died. And that pain is really painful and we can't fix it. And I, I, listeners won't see this, but I'm doing fix it in air quotes because mm -hmm. it's not about fixing it. We can't. And I think also the reason why we can avoid people who are grieving is because it makes us face grief in our own life. What would it be like if my sister died yes. or my mom died? How would I cope? And it's so painful. So just even being aware of those two things will help 
anybody listening the next time they encounter a pal or a loved one who is grieving. Yeah, and it's it's such it's such a huge part of life and that we need to feel that we can have these conversations with people. So I'm sure that's going to provide a lot of value for people listening. And you mentioned pain and there are times people need their privacy. So what would you say are the signs that people need space? Like, for example, if if somebody's just brushing off the condolences. Yeah. So if you express your condolences to somebody and they do just they, they just brush it off, they don't really talk about anything. It's just to allow them do that and to understand that's where they are at now. It might be just that day. It might be the context. It might be your particular relationship is one where they don't feel able to go really into how they're feeling that day. Often people ask you, how are you feeling? Well, On the one hand, you don't want to lie and say, I'm fine or I'm grand because you're not. But on the other hand, you don't want to maybe tell them the truth, which is what you might feel is that you could just sink onto the floor and howl with pain. So sometimes the person who's bereaved will just brush it off. And if that happens, I'd say to you, be glad that you have been authentic and courageous in saying something to them. But don't take that personally because it's where they are now, not anything really to do with you. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to grief, like what is your opinion on the seven stages of grief? We hear it so often and we mentioned timeline earlier on, but you know, what would you think there? When we think of the stages of grief, we're really talking about a piece of work that was done by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross with people who were facing their own death. Mm-hmm. And it sort of morphed and merged over into that conversation about those who are bereaved as opposed to those who are dying. And so now what happens is often people will think I should be angry, I should be in denial, I should be in acceptance. And there can be an expectation from someone who's bereaved. And the, the sort of fallback on that is a sense of what's wrong with me? Why am I doing it wrong? You're not doing it wrong. So let go of any idea of stages or linear or or anything structured you need to go through. It's your relationship. It's your loss. It's your grief. It's your way. What I feel about the stages of grief is there are places for them, but that's in that conversation really mostly about those who are facing their own mortality. Mm -hmm. If we think of it that way, it can be helpful as opposed to in this bereaved position. Absolutely. And I suppose we're we're speaking a lot about how we talk to others, but how should we talk to ourselves when we're grieving? With kindness and compassion and really understanding that your world, if you are grieving, whatever your loss is, your world has been You know, I describe it as being hit by a freight train. Your Mm -hmm. world has been thrown up into the air and it's maybe come down in pieces and some pieces are missing and some are broken and some will never come back and some will still be there. So kindness and compassion and saying to yourself, my loss is great. My feelings are normal or I'm doing my best. I'm learning to live with the loss of the person I love or the loss of the dream I had. And that kindness and compassion and allowing yourself to feel what you feel without judgment or expectation. That's really the thumbnail about how to speak to yourself. There's so much to unpack there, but so much food for thought. Thank you, Neve. Psychologist Neve Fitzpatrick is going to be staying with us to answer some of your questions. Please feel free to text us on 51551 or email us at supercharged at rte.ie. Coming up after the break, we'll be hearing a personal story and we'll learn about where they found solace. Back after these. Supercharged with Alec Geary on RTE Radio 1. Leia Healthcare is always a beat ahead and with access to more hospitals, consultants and urgent care clinics, our members can be too. That's why when you join or renew with Leia Healthcare, you can now go online and book a cardiac heartbeat screening in any one of our health and wellbeing clinics. At Leia Healthcare, we're making our members better before they're even ill. Call or switch online today. Insurance provided by Elips Insurance Limited trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Additional access is dependent on holding private medical insurance. Cardiac screening available to members 12 years and over. Urgent care available to over 12 months. Consultants subject to their availability. There's never been a HR solution like this. Jerome Ford here from HR Dual. HR Administration. 
Done. HR policies updated. Done. Employment contracts. Done. Hiring. Done. All completed in the background while you focus on what matters most. All of this with advice and expertise at the push of a button. Talk to us at hrduo.com. Big company HR, real world affordability. Supercharged with Alec Geary on RTE Radio 1. Welcome back to Supercharged. So many messages coming in here and I just, I feel I need to read out some of them just to show that if you are listening and you are experiencing grief and loss, you're not alone. Hi Anna, my mum died in November and I cannot stop crying. She died at home with me holding her hand and she was there with my little dog. I'm an only child, but none of my extended family have been there for me. Not even a call at Christmas. It's like mum never existed to them. I can't stop crying, Dara. And just going back to what Neve said, it's so important that we open up conversations, we talk to people and we meet it head on, even if we feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, don't ignore the fact that they are grieving. Just ask them if there's anything that you can do. Now, my next guest is someone who had to deal with her own grief. And because of that, she started a page on Instagram called Grief Ireland. And she has been blown away by the reaction and the responses she receives on a daily basis. Cathy Stritch, welcome to Supercharged. Thank you for talking with us, Cathy. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, no problem. I think a lot of people will, will take a lot from what you're about to say. So what prompted you to create the Grief Ireland page? Um, I suppose, um, you know, I had dealt with my own grief in the mm. loss of my sister and her husband. Both of them passed away very young, um, which was obviously a very tough, difficult few years for us. Um, and, I, you know, when I went looking, I suppose we live our lives online very much nowadays. And when it comes to fitness and beauty and pregnancy, there's just so much content and people talking about these subjects but I couldn't find anything on grief and kind of that coupled with the fact you know my own private or personal page I often wanted to share a photo of my sister or different things and I found I was met with you know like Neve said a lot of people struggle to speak um, about it and they don't know what to say I found a lot of times when I post something people kind of backed away and, you know, you know, they were checking in, are you okay? And I would say, I'm fine. I just, I just wanted to share a photo. Yeah. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to set up my own separate page. And that's really why, you know, that was the driving force is to have a, a community, maybe to try and educate people what it's about and that it's not as scary, you know, it is dreadfully sad and it's difficult and it's hard, but it shouldn't be as scary um, as people find it, I think, to just speak about it. So I kind of wanted to educate people a little bit also. And like you said, like having that place where people can go to, to share mm-hmm. experiences and to have that sense of community if they if they possibly don't feel it in their own lives is really important as well. So what would you have, I suppose, what would you have observed from the engagement and the interaction on the Grief Ireland page? Well, I mean, people are struggling uh, mm-hmm. very, very much. An awful lot amount of people are struggling. I think that exactly as you touched on with uh, Neve there, um, they're not getting the support. People are, you know, it's, 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 it's deafening when somebody leaves your life that you loved and you want to keep talking about them. And you will get that for the first couple of weeks, couple of months, but listen, it's way down the road. People can still be really struggling. You know, I often say I miss my sister just as much today as as the day she died. You know, it it, it doesn't diminish. I'm still as sad about it. But you just learn, I suppose, to carry it that bit more. But it's very difficult when, you know, it gets silent and, you know, you want to speak about them, but you you no longer can um, because it just doesn't seem to be that open conversation there. So when I have the page, I found that people really, you know, come towards us. And particularly during the pandemic, you know, don't forget there's a lot of people who haven't had that traditional funeral and that goodbye and they haven't even got into hospitals to be with their loved one. That is extremely traumatizing to not be able to, you know, say goodbye. I've heard of people having to say goodbye through nursing home windows. That is massively Mm -hmm. traumatic. And so to have a community where, you know, you hear others talking about it and perhaps you can message people with the same similar stories and it's, it's massively helpful to them to have that community. 
And and for you then, like this is a it's a coping mechanism of sorts. And I know mm. that, you know, you are a huge part of your your nephew's life. And mm. in, in some ways that helped you as well through coping with your loss. Like how did you manage your grief around them? Oh, it was very difficult, to be honest. You know, they were two and uh, four when their dad mm-hmm. died and they were um, about five, uh, no, they were about three and six mm-hmm. when their mum died. Extremely young and, yeah. you know, it was very, very, very difficult to see them. And I think a lot of it was we put our own grief on hold because they became, you know, our priority. And there was an awful lot of guilt. Um, one of those stages that we hear talked about and I used to think, I don't understand how I'm going to feel guilt. I didn't do anything wrong. But then I came to realize it's guilt when I don't go down to see them for a day. It's guilt, you know, when I had my own child looking at their faces and saying mommy in front of them. It's it's so complex and complicated and unique. But with them, um, I guess, you know, they have been a massive um, comfort to us. You know, they're they're a part of their mom and dad. Yeah. And so they're our world, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it has been difficult. It's very difficult. Children, people say children are resilient um, and they are. But I would love people to understand that children grieve too, whether yeah. they remember their loved one or not. You know, we need to respect that. they There is a grief they'll carry for the rest of their life. And that's a really valid point. We'll actually be dealing with that subject mm. in greater detail later on. Cathy, thank you so much for sharing your story and outlining to us as well that the positive impact that a support group can bring. You can check out Cathy's page on Instagram at Grief Ireland. And I know when I was talking to people on social media, many were telling me about their own coping mechanisms. These might help some of you. Take a listen. It's Jeannie from Cork. My father died suddenly four years ago at the age of 67 and I deal with it by remembering if I'm still alive then dad is too. He is part of me. For me in order to cope with it and heal, journaling, um, writing out how I felt in the moment but also I do think you need to feel how you're feeling in order to make a good recovery from what you're going through because you can't just gloss over something like this. I took up mixed martial arts. Um, I'd never done like it before in my life, and um, I found this extremely relaxing. And I uh, found it, it was a great way of pouring as much energy as I, I needed into it. I found it very beneficial. Hi, Anna. My name is Emer, and I'm from Sligo. Um, I lost my brother Marcus nearly 10 years ago now, when I was just nearly 22. And I actually found it difficult because my parents were grieving the loss of a son and my sister the loss of her brother. You're trying to be strong for them. You're, you're trying to not to be a burden. So I got a puppy, a golden retriever called Leroy, who just brought a little bit of happiness and sunshine into my life. As always, thank you so much to everybody that had the strength and the courage and the bravery to share some of their stories on today's show. It, it just proves that there's so many different ways to deal with grief and loss. And I am surrounded by your messages right now and I'm, I'm looking and there's so many of them coming in and the questions for Neve are very much around how to cope with loss. And psychologist Neve Fitzpatrick is with us again to answer your questions. And Neve, before we get back into the questions, you know, we're hearing about coping mechanisms and finding the ways to cope like how do you find what works for you is it nearly a trial and error process I think your starting place is understanding that piece that we've talked about grief earlier on mm-hmm. what it is what it isn't and and really that it's about it's about learning to live with loss mm-hmm. so when you understand that your next bit then is what do I need to do today that will allow me to live with the loss of the person I love or the loss of the life I wished I had or the loss of the person that that I've become, maybe that I wish I wasn't. You know, we are loss of identity. What can I do today? And for some people, that is going to be, I mean, beautiful Leroy, the Mm. golden retriever puppy who brings joy into that person and that family's life. For someone else, it might be sea swimming. For some people, it will be talk therapy. A lot of people will navigate their way through their grieving journey 
which doesn't have an endpoint, but they'll navigate their way and they won't need sort of professional help. But for some people, it will be talk therapy. For others, it's going to be throwing themselves into work a little bit and moving away from their grief to get a little bit of respite from it. So think about what can I do today that can help me survive this day? And, and maybe just start there. And, and even that starts a little bit maybe about the body piece, looking at sleep, nutrition, hydration, fresh air. Yeah. And as you said, just sometimes just pick one thing and say, for, for today, this is what I'm going to do. Now, the questions are pouring in, Neve. One of them is, since I lost my father, I've also lost my home because the family home had to be sold and my job because I worked with him. So sometimes I feel I'm more upset about this than I am about losing him. And I feel so much guilt. Is this wrong? This is entirely normal. It's absolutely not wrong. What's happened here is we grieve the person who has died. Mm -hmm. But this listener is also telling us about how sometimes then we grieve the life that we had with that person or we grieve the life that we might have had had they not died. So there's maybe thinking of secondary losses and understanding that what that person's feeling is entirely normal. You, the, the, the grief, just say to yourself, look, that's an understandable response to what's going on in my life. But actually, grief is about intent. Do, do I intend to do something bad mm -hmm. in my father's memory? No, you're entitled to grieve the life that you would have had as well as grieve your father let yourself and as you said sometimes it's the domino effect uh, of the loss that we don't think about now we do have an audio question that's just come in here for you Niamh. hello Anna my father-in-law God rest him died about 18 months ago my husband and himself were fierce close it was after a very short illness and uh, since then he won't have him spoken about at all he turns the other way if we bring his name up uh, we're very worried about him because he's acting like nothing phases him about it at all. Unless it's practical stuff, then he'll get stuck in like the gravestone or whatever. But there's never a mention, never a word. Do you think he's in denial or should we press him maybe to go and see somebody about it? Thank you. So what is the difference, Neve, between somebody needing the space and somebody who might be possibly denying the grief? A couple of things there. Grief is a quite feminised space. Mm -hmm. So with women, we're quite relational. We will talk to one another. We will talk about our feelings sometimes. And it's not all men in all situations, but sometimes for men, they will want to do things. It will be a practical way of busying themselves. And it's almost like grief is going along in the background like an app on your phone. So it's to understand that people do things differently and that's OK. Of course, you keep an eye on him, but we do what's called a shift between a loss orientation, which is where the focus is on the pain and the loss and a restoration orientation, which is where we restore some normality into our life with the daily tasks. He may well be doing that. That might be OK with him. Keep an eye on him. Keep with him. I would not be pushing him towards talking to somebody, certainly not at the moment. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be there for him. Let him know that you're there for him, but understand that we're different in this. You'll know when the point comes where you think actually he does now need maybe a, you know, a, 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 I won't say a firmer conversation, but maybe a straighter conversation with him. But for the moment, allow him, just be there with him. To do it at his own pace. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking through all the questions and I, and I don't even know where to go to, but I know we have an audio question. So let's go there first. Hello, Yana. I was just wondering how uh, grief after a long illness is different to uh, grief after uh, a sudden death. Maybe you could explain that one, please. Thanks very much. I, I can see you here and, and you know, you're, you're nodding along. So there are many different types and how do we deal with them? What's important to say is that there is no championship with grief. Mm -hmm. There is no worse or better than or easier or harder. What happens is things are different. So a death, a bereavement by suicide, might be different than um, a bereavement, say, for instance, if it's somebody where, like some, that man said, there's been a long illness. But it doesn't mean that there's not shock if somebody has been ill for a long time and the death is expected. I think what's important is when it's a sudden death, and I speak obviously from experience on this, mm -hmm. I think, one, there's no goodbye. And that's, that's terribly difficult. Right. And two, 
when you don't know and weren't with the person when they die, there can be that sense of the trauma of their last moments. So really to answer that question specifically is there's just different situations and um, context really around the type of the deaths the person has. And that can mean that the person or people left behind can have a different situation to deal with. It doesn't mean better, worse, mm -hmm. easier. It just means different. And I would say with a sudden death, the thing that's maybe most different perhaps is the shock element. It might be a greater level of shock or a more profound I don't know if that's the right word, but a bigger shock, I want to say, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Like I feel we could do an entire show just with the questions that have come in. So this is a massive part of, of people's everyday thinking. But we do we, we have time for one more, but we're going to make time for one more. Hi, Anna. I had a row with my mother just before she died three years ago. I still feel the guilt, even though I know how difficult it was to get along with at times. And we did row regularly. However, I can't stop replaying that fight in my head, any advice? Because sometimes we do think about the last thing that we say and, and do with someone who, who does die. Yeah, so I would say to that person, if you can't make it better, at least don't make it worse. Mm -hmm. I, I know I missed my last birthday with Dara because I got in some silly strop that day. And I have a twin sister and because of my silly strop, we missed what turned out to be our last birthday with Dara. I can spend my time keeping that going around in my head or I can say that we had years together. Mm -hmm. So to this person, I'd say with your mum, if you can dial down the volume on that voice in your head talking to you about that last thing you said and just let it sit there and be open to the other days, the other moments, the other conversations, the other memories with your mom coming into your space. Try that and see how you get on because there's others there to draw on for your head if you allow yourself. Thank you so much for answering those, Neve. I know you're going to have some final words of advice for us towards the end of the show. Now, coming up after the break, we learn how to navigate the conversation around grief and loss with children of all ages. Supercharged with Ali Geary on RTE Radio 1. Whatever you watch, wherever you watch it, if you watch it on a TV, you must have a TV license. It's the law. Get yours at tvlicense.ie or any post office. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Ireland is leaving diesel behind and Toyota is leading the way. Start your electric journey with our incredible range of self-charging hybrids. Leave diesel behind with our diesel trade-in booster or choose a contribution, both up to €1,500. So don't miss out. Order now. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota, Ireland's best-selling car brand in 2021 and 2022. Toyota. Built for a better world. Terms and conditions apply. Best-selling claim based on 2021 and January 2022 published figures. Hi, this is Eamon Coughlin. Not everything changed in the last year. Worldwide, hunger, homelessness and war still leave people desperate for food, water and shelter. In 14 countries, Goal is providing essential support and that's why we still need your help urgently. If you can donate anything at all, please help at goal.ie. Thank you. ESB with the help of the Climate Action Fund, has been making significant improvements to the electric vehicle public charging network to ensure the journey to an all-electric future together is brighter and faster than ever. So far, we've upgraded over 590 of our charge points, and we've added faster chargers across the country. So now you can charge and go in less time than before. With over 1,350 charge points on the island of Ireland, you'll never be far from one of our chargers and you can be confident that our network will be there for you when you need it. Visit esp.ie forward slash ecars to find out more. Supercharged with Ali Geary on RTE Radio 1. Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking about grief and loss and I'm seeing so many of your messages coming in and just glancing at a few here. Some of you are dealing with your own grief since childhood while others are trying to help your bereaved children. So joining me now in studio is Colleen Brown, the project coordinator for Bernardo's Bereavement Services for Children in Dublin. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for reaching out to Bernardo's. 
how is dealing with bereavement and grief different for children compared to adults? Well, there is a saying that says that adults swim in the river of grief while children jump in the puddles. And that's the biggest difference that we see is that children are able to pace themselves. And, um, you know, it's a great privilege to just kind of follow the grief in them as they as they need to play, as they need to talk. So they come in and out of it. They do just need to be kids in between. And it doesn't mean that they're avoiding it. It just means that they're processing it at their own pace. There are four cognitive milestones that are really important to be able to understand death. So I'll just talk through those, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Um, so the first one is around age four or five, and it's the capacity to understand that death is irreversible. So before then, you know, it's kind of like a roadrunner type thing where, you know, our mind thinks that if someone dies, they can bounce back again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really around the cognitive age of four or five that we can grasp that death is permanent. And then the next two are kind of clustered around age six, seven. And that's universality, understanding that all living things die. Mm-hmm. And the next is inevitability, that there's nothing we can do about that. And that is really tough for the yeah, mind. Because we're dealing with, you know, we're still dealing with children. Yeah, it's really tough. And it, oh. there can be a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. once young children realize that. Um, and then the fourth is causality. And that tends to turn up around the cognitive age of nine or 10. And that's the capacity to understand that there are different causes of death. And children need age-appropriate, honest information about why people have died, you know, throughout their lives. But it's really at that age, nine or ten, that children can really grasp the nuances of different causes of death. And as we were talking earlier in the show about adults and and the importance of language and and how we manoeuvre and navigate through conversations around grief. So then with children... How important is it in the approach that adults take when talking to them about death and grief? Well, for young children in particular, while um, adults may find it really harsh language, um, I was listening to Neve earlier as well and interested in what she said. It really is important to avoid words like past and gone because particularly age two to seven you know, there's this very concrete black and white way of thinking. And it's really important to use non-confusing language like um, that someone has died or that someone is dead because past and gone is just so super confusing to the mind at that age. And what type of approach do adults need to take with children? Like, for instance, should you answer all of their questions honestly? The one thing about children is they have so (laughs) many questions and often they repeat the questions over and over again. Mm. Well, it's a really good sign if they have questions because it means that in regards to the family home, that there's a culture that has been created in that family where all questions are okay. And so it's a really really healthy sign. Um, What can be problematic is um, if the adult is in a place where they haven't had an opportunity to work with their own grief, the child's questions can be really triggering. And that's why it's so important for grieving adults to have their own emotional support. The safest environment for a bereaved child is with adults who know how to recognize and respond to grief. Um, Adults who are comfortable with their own emotional pain are going to be able to help children buffer their own emotional pain. Because we heard from Kathy and she said about how sometimes she put her own grief on hold because the priority was the younger people in her life. And Is it a case that we as adults need to deal with our own grief first or is it okay for it to simultaneously happen while you're helping the younger people? That's a good question. I do think it's a parallel process. Mm -hmm. Um, We run a national helpline and often when people phone, you know, they're phoning to make a referral for their children. And sometimes they're taken aback when we say, have you gotten any support yet for yourself? And as a mom myself, I know the instinct to, you know, make sure the children are okay first. To protect. Um, But the thing is that children know when um, 
we're not dealing with our own grief. Mm -hmm. And they are then more likely to hide their distress. And then that causes the adults to worry more because it's not obvious how they're feeling. So it's a win-win for everyone if everyone is receiving emotional support at the same time. Yeah, because they can sense it. Like Absolutely. They can, and we all can. We, we can sense a feeling in a room without anybody ever saying anything. Such a valuable point. And I suppose just helping children then, what other practices or even activities can be useful maybe to help them to preserve memories and such things? Mm. Well, can I tell you a story? Mm-hmm. Please do. Okay. Um So I got to work with a dad and an 11-year-old girl Mm -hmm. and her mom had died when she was four and they made a referral to our service because she was having some trouble sleeping at night and the dad wasn't sure what was going on. And so they came in and what came to light was that she was thinking of her mom at night and she was worried because she was starting to forget her mom's voice and the memories that she had when she was younger. And she was not telling her dad because she was protecting him from her Mm -hmm. pain and her dad wasn't asking her because he wanted to protect her from his pain. And so what happened was they ended up doing a family tree and she had good relationships with her mom's family because she really wanted to know what her mom was like when she was 11. Yes. And so her mom's family filled in all the gaps and she learned all these wonderful stories about her mom as a child and, you know, her mom's parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. And it really just opened things up between that father and daughter. That's so important. And I suppose just lastly, before we finish up, at what point should you seek additional supports or contact your services? There are three things that the national lead for our service, her name is Gina Cantillon, she's based in Cork. Um, There are three things that are really clear that she's helped us understand. Um, So basically, when a reaction or just a way of being is new, when it wasn't there before the death. Um, So, for example, a child that was really open and talkative about their feelings and then since the death has just totally closed up that's a sign that they are in avoidance and that they're really struggling and can use some support. Um, And then the second is when a a new behavior is persistent, like across domains. So when it's turning up at home as well as at school. So if there is separation anxiety, so let's say one parent has died, if there's separation anxiety from the surviving parent um, and a child doesn't want to go to school, Um, And then if a child gets to school and is constantly looking at the clock and, you know, wondering when that parent is going to come and get them, if that anxiety is there, you know, across the board, then it's a sign Mm -hmm. that they may need some extra support. And then the third is that if the behavior is persistent, uh, meaning, um, sorry, if it's um, resistant to change, you know, if all the normal tricks, you know, the hugs, Mm -hmm. um, the hot chocolates, um, the snuggles, um, the shopping trips and all of those things, Mm -hmm. if things like that that normally bring a child comfort are just not working and it's been going on for a long time, then it may be a sign that just that third party intervention might be able to open things up. Well, I will actually give the helpline service in a moment, but we just got a text in and somebody said when it comes to children and helping them preserve memories, a memory jar or a memory Mm. box can be really useful. And they said they're speaking from personal experience. That's just some other ways that you can you can help children to adapt and and adjust to grief and loss. Now, the Bernardo's Bereavement Helpline Service operates from 10 a.m. to 12 Monday to Thursday on 01473-2110. That's 01473-2110. And further information and free bereavement booklets with loads of advice on how to talk to grieving children and teenagers can be found on bernardos.ie. Supercharged with Ali Geary on RTE Radio 1. Now this is the final section of our show all around giving people tips and advice. So Neve is back with us to give you some takeaway messages around grief and loss. Welcome back Neve. I know you have some takeaway messages for people today. There's a lot in this show but it really is just it's about giving people the tools that they need. 
Yeah, and I think this is such an important conversation you're having, Anna. It really is so important. We must talk about these things, difficult as they are. My first thing is to say to somebody, number one, you have to understand that your response is a normal response to loss and we need to not pathologise it. We don't need to pathologise it. We need to understand it, number one. Number two, grief is not about an end date or getting over it. So take away any expectation of reaching certain points or, or doing something by a certain date. It's about learning learning to live with the loss in your life. You will each do that at your own time, at your own pace. Number three, give yourself a break. Your world is shattered. So what you are trying to do Grief is exhausting. Of course, it's exhausting. Your whole system is trying to come to terms with immense loss. Give yourself a break and mind your body while your body is minding you through these times. So sleep, rest, nutrition, hydration, fresh air, movement as much as you can. There's an expression that says an abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is normal behaviour. So give yourself a break because what you're doing is tough. And then finally, grief is the most difficult thing that we can go through. The reason I speak about it is because it is survivable and mm. it's really important to know that we can survive it. It hurts. We can survive it. Of course, you have personal and professional experience in that regard. Neve Fitzpatrick, thank you so much for taking us through so many aspects of grief and loss today. And I think on that note, that grief is survivable is, is one to finish on because it's one of hope and that there can be life after loss, as difficult as it may seem for some of you right now. I do hope this evening's show has helped you to feel a little bit more competent and comfortable when speaking about grief and loss. Like Neve said, we need to open up these conversations. My sincerest thanks to Neve and her fellow guests, Colleen and Cathy, for joining us on Supercharged. If you have been affected by anything on the show this evening, or if you feel that you need to talk and reach out, there's so many brilliant services, but Neve has suggested the Irish Hospice Foundation as a good place to start because they have universal information. You can listen back to all the advice on the show and previous shows on rte.ie forward slash supercharged or on the RTE Radio Player app. Thank you so much to my production team, Mahi, Louise, John and to Tommy and Sound. And thank you to each and every one of you for sharing your stories, your voice notes, your messages and your emails. Do please keep in touch with us. Let us know what you thought of the show. I'm reachable on Instagram at Anna G. Cork or email us on supercharged at rte.ie. Tune in next Sunday from 6 to more information and to more learnings. But for now and for the week ahead, please, please mind yourselves and mind each other. Supercharged with Anna Geary on RTE Radio 1.